freedom. And this is the final of the bringing freedom. So there's been three in that series. Uh, John Langford spoke to us about demonstrating our love for people in practical ways. A food bank, etc. Then Pete Godfrey spoke about us demonstrating our love for one another through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and experiencing his power. Today we're going to be looking at demonstrating his love for people by bringing them the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe these have been brought in the right order because people need to know that we love them, that we care about them, that we're interested in their practical needs. And people need to know that we love one another and that, you know, we're not competing, that we are a family. And then people need to know the message of the good news. You see, practical help is not enough. We need to let people know there is some very good news. The good news of freedom in Jesus Christ. So that's what today is all about. I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 10. Paul, in the first century, wrote these words to Christians in Rome. And uh, so I'm reading from chapter 10, verses 9 to 17. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all Israel accepts the good news. For Isaiah says, the Lord Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Thank you, Lord. The title for today is Beautiful Feet Bringing Good News. So I've got some beautiful feet. Have you spotted the one that Becky snuck in? The duck. I said, you can't put that in. But she did. (laughs) So let's move on to the next one. 
beautiful feet bringing good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Verse 15 said this, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Who wrote it? What is he talking about? Who wrote these words? Well, it was Isaiah. He wrote it eight centuries before Jesus Christ. So there's two things that you need to know about eight century feet. Very important things. Number one is, they were the main method of transportation. And number two they were the main means of communication. You see, they didn't have mobile phones. They didn't have text. They didn't have emails. They didn't even have the posty. Well, on social media. No, the message was relayed by a runner. He brought the good news. And his feet were the means of delivering that good news. And when the message was good, his feet were beautiful. For example, we're on the battlefield. The king is at home not knowing what is going on. And he's waiting for the runner to come. And he sees the man running. And as the man says, We've won! How beautiful are the feet of the runner who says we have the victory. We're all 8th century BC feet beautiful. No, they weren't. They were ugly feet as well because there were some people who brought fake news. There were some people who brought evil news. There were some people who brought lies. It's exactly the same today, isn't it? How ugly are the mobile phones that bring fake news, that bring lies, that bring evil news? How ugly are the tablets? How ugly are the laptops? How ugly is the social media that brings lies and fake news? Some of you in this room have experienced the pain of that. But either some of you are sitting here and you have felt the ugliness of these devices in the sense of what they've delivered to you. God wants to deal with that this morning. He loves you. He loves you. He knows. He knows. He's seen it. He's heard it. But how beautiful are the mobile phones that bring good news? How beautiful are the tablets that bring good news? How beautiful are the laptops that bring good news? You know, we choose whether we are beautiful feet, beautiful mobiles, beautiful social media site we choose or whether they're ugly you know Jesus described the self-righteous teachers of the law as stinking and ugly he did 
These people who were shoving their brand of religion down people's throats. He said this, Water you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You were like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying. Jesus hates it when we peddle religion, but not the good news of Jesus Christ. He hates it. It's ugly. See, beautiful feet bring a message of freedom. A message of freedom, of deliverance. So how beautiful are the YouTube clips that bring good news? So I've got a very short YouTube clip. And I'd really encourage you to try and find some decent YouTube clips clips on the gospel and let me have them, because I have really struggled to find anything decent. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is quite simple. We screwed up, and he got nailed for it. That is the gospel in a short sentence. He took our punishment. He bore our sin. When you share a clip like that on social media, how beautiful, how beautiful are your hands that bring good news. I really want us to have beautiful feet and beautiful hands. Don't you? Beautiful feet and beautiful hands. Paul, in verse 14, the words that he says I find absolutely staggering. He says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Paul seems to be saying, if we don't share this good news, people are not going to get saved. Don't you find that staggering? When he says preach, you don't need to stand in here to preach. Preach is simply passing on the good news. See, we're the only ones who are going to bring this good news. We can't expect people who don't know Christ to bring this good news, can we? They don't even know the good news. Or they've rejected the good news. We are the ones who can bring the good news. You know, it's absolutely vital, vital, that we share this good news. So why do we find it hard to share the good news? I know there are a few people, evangelists, who find it easy to share the good news. God has given them a gift of evangelism. And they don't find it difficult at all. But for most of the rest of us, it doesn't come easy, does it? Does it? Some people are are agreeing. They don't find it easy. So why is it that we don't find it easy? 
I believe that one of the reasons is the context of the good news is in very, very bad news. You know, the doctor who delivers the good news, your cancer is operable, I can remove your cancer, I can take it from you, I can get rid of it, is good news. But the context is bad news. The context is you've got cancer. That isn't good news, is it? It's good news that the doctor can get rid of it, but it's bad news that you have it in the first place. I don't know about you, but I don't find it easy to tell people that without Christ, they are sinners. And that in sin, the wages of sin is death, eternal death. And that ends up in hell. I don't find that easy. It's true, but it's not easy news to deliver. You know, when the doctor shares the good news in the context of the bad news, there is a possibility that the patient rejects him and the news. And it's the same for us. Jesus said, he who listens to you, listens to me. He who rejects you, rejects me. Wow, this is personal, isn't it? It's personal for you and for me as we share it. It is personal for Jesus as we share it. You know, we are the messengers. It's very personal. It's, it's my mouth. It's my vocal cords. It's my accent. It's me. And when you share it, it's you. And when we send a text, it's from our mobile. When we send an email, it's from our inbox. It's our email address. Social media, it's our account. They know it's us. (laughs) It's personal. It's personal. We are not just the postman and the postwomen. We are. But... Imagine the postman delivering the catalogue from, say, Asda. And he he bangs on your door and he says, this is really great. I went and bought one of these. They're fantastic. And you think, hang on, postman, you've you've crossed the line here. (laughs) Just stick it through the door, will you? Don't get personal. We are more than the postman. We are the postman. It's not our message. It's not our message. It's God's message. We mustn't mess with the message. We mustn't change it or tamper with it. This message is so important. It's God's message. Not making this stuff up. But as we share it, we're saying, this is good stuff. You know, it's it's changed my life. You you, You want to take hold of this message. It's real. It's life transforming. We don't just stand handily by and say, there's the message. We try to persuade people. Why? Because their eternal destiny is at stake. It's even more important than the doctor saying you've got cancer. Cancer can take this life from you, but it won't take the next life from you. Sin will take both this life and the next life from you. There is a fear of rejection that is 
a right fear? We don't submit to fear, do we? We push through. It's been the same all through the centuries. From the very first century, it has been the same. Paul writing to the Romans, one chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read it in three different versions. Paul wrote it in Greek. So these are three different translations into English. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Paul said, you know, this is tough stuff, but I'm not ashamed. I don't care what you think about me, I'm not ashamed of it. In the Good News Bible, for I have complete confidence in the gospel. It is God's power to save all who believe. The New Century Version, I'm proud of the good news. Because it's the power God uses to save everyone who believes. The good news is always the good news. It was the good news in the first century. It's the good news today. It will always be the good news. It's good news. (laughs) And it always, always has the power to save. Always. When the gospel was shared, this good news in the first century, some received it, and they received the power of God. They were changed, their hearts were washed clean, and they became a child of God. And others rejected it, and did not receive the power of God unto salvation. The rejection of the good news in the first century was probably because it didn't fit with their thinking. The Jews wrongly interpreted the scriptures. The Romans had many gods. That was the context. So Christ crucified was a stumbling block to the Jews. He couldn't get their heads around that. And it was foolishness to the Gentiles. You know, to some, the gospel makes perfect sense. To others, it's merely nonsense. There's no in-between. To those of us who believed, we know it makes perfect sense. But to those who took on the the philosophy of the day, it didn't make perfect sense. So Peter is thrown into prison and told to stop sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. Stephen is stoned. I mean, not stoned in the sense of high, but rocks thrown at him. Until he died. Paul is a long-stay prisoner for sharing the gospel. Just imagine that we're having a fun day here. We have fun days every so often, don't we? And and imagine that we're out there and we're having a brilliant time with the bouncy castle, etc. And then Pete Godfrey decides to interview you and your friend And so we're out there with the microphones and and you're interviewed and you share the fact that Jesus Christ has changed your life. And a counsellor's watching and a policeman's watching and and they decide at the end of that interview that they're going to take you and bundle you into a car. And the police shoot your friend dead. Take you into the police cell. And you're in that cell. And in the night, an angel comes to you and he unlocks the cell door, and you walk past the duty officer, he seems to be asleep, and you just walk straight out. 
Now, at Pete's house, there's a prayer meeting going on. And the prayer meeting has been going on all night because they're concerned about what's going on. And you knock on the door and it takes a while for you to open because you're that busy praying and and realise that God's answered your prayer. So then you walk in to this, this room. Now, we haven't reached that level of rejection yet, have we? Have we? Has anybody been shot in Great Britain for sharing the gospel? Not recently, I don't think. There were people burned at the stake going back a few centuries, yes. But as in the first century, the popular thinking of our day doesn't fit with the good news. The popular thinking is toleration of anything and everything except one thing. Absolute truth. We won't tolerate that. We'll tolerate anybody's beliefs, but you start talking about the good news of Jesus Christ being the only way, and we won't tolerate that. You know, Peter was not politically correct. Because the good news is not politically correct. Jesus wasn't trying to be politically correct. He was being the saviour of the world. Peter writes, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Peter's saying it's the only way. Jesus is the only way. Let's rewind your friend has been shot. An angel led you out. You've arrived at the prayer meeting. What's going to be your prayer request? Is your prayer request going to be, we need protection, God? We really need protection. We don't want anybody else getting shot. We're going to just bunker down now. We're not going to share this news anymore. Let's just hide and God protect us. No, They don't. It's amazing what they pray in that scenario. Stephen has been killed. Peter has come out of prison because of their prayers. And then in Acts 4, this is what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Isn't that amazing? They're saying, God, help us to keep doing this stuff. God, help us to keep sharing the good news. And what we pray for is boldness to keep sharing it, and what we pray for are miracles to go with it. And what an answer. Divine dynamite was released. And the Holy Spirit shakes the place. You know, when the winds of adversity blow, and they blew pretty hard here, we need the Holy Spirit to blow even harder. And that's what happened here. Paul is in prison for sharing this good news. So what does he do? He sends out a prayer request to the Colossians. Pray for us too, 
that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chance. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul is in prison, his feet are chained and he's saying, God, open a door for the good news. God, Help me to share it clearly. Amazing, aren't they? These are amazing prayers. Paul and Peter really knew how good this news is. (laughs) And they say nothing's going to stop us. Nothing is going to stop us sharing this good news. It's too important. It is the best news that anybody could ever hear. It's the most vital news that anybody could ever hear. I'm going to pray those four prayer requests over those of us who already know Jesus Christ. And if in your heart you believe this, then receive this prayer. I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything. I don't feel that's right this morning. But I feel it's right for you. These four things. Boldness. For God to work miracles. For an open door. And for clarity in sharing the news. Let's pray. Lord I pray for those of us who already know you. Those of us who have already been set free. As we have received this good news. And experienced the power of God. To serve us. Lord, I pray that you would put within us a boldness to share with others this good news. The boldness to press a link to a YouTube clip. The boldness to send a text. The boldness to send an email. To share this good news. Lord, I pray that you would work miracles. That your power would be shown as we share the good news. Lord, we pray for an open door for this good news. And Lord, we pray that you'd give us clarity in how we share the good news so that people will hear and understand that you love them, that you died for them, that you stood in their place bearing their shame, their guilt, all of their sin. That you on the cross wiped the slate clean. That you on the cross said not guilty anymore. Lord, I pray that we would be able to share this good news. And Lord, I pray that people would have the faith to receive this news. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to have a meal of communion. It's